0: We're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and the thing about it is, is that our lives, all of our lives, every one of your lives, they all produce something. We're always producing something good, maybe, and sometimes something not so good, but every life. And one thing I like about this series is that, unlike some, it applies to every individual in this room. No one can escape what God wants to teach you in this series you know, sometimes we talk about marriage, and if you're not married, you say, well, I'll just go through it, you know. Or we talk about how to raise kids or how to handle money, and maybe you've got a lot of money and everything's good, and you say, well, I don't need that. But man, when we talk about fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, I think we're all in this thing together. And really, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, which are good things, and then we're going to just touch on the works of the flesh, which are not so good. And that's what we're going to do right now. How many of you know, don't raise your hands. I mean, when we say this, you don't have to be up and down. We're not doing that. But how many of you know that, that, that um, there's a lot of things we should do? We know the ought of life, don't we? I should do this. I should do that. Like, I should eat healthy. I mean, I should eat healthy. Uh, and, and we know that. But then I love Oreos. <laughs> in, 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 in my case, it's Little Debbie Cakes. As a matter of fact, I was going to tell you that there was one pinwheel left in the pantry in the basket at my house last night about nine thirty, but I can't do that because I just went in there and I just ate it. <laughs> I just did it, and don't judge me for it, okay Because uh what did you eat last night at nine thirty <laughs> and so uh we we know what we ought to do, but we don't always do it and so the you know the 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 apostle Paul. Through The Holy Spirit has taught us a lot, and we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 for a while uh, because first of all, he, he teaches us about the works of the flesh. And in Galatians 5:19, you can read it with me on the screens. It says, "Now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, they're of, hang on impurity, sensuality. Come on, there's idolatry and sorcery and enmity and strife, and there's jealousy and fits of anger rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy and drunkenness, orgies, my goodness and all things like this. He said I want to warn you about that because those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now let me just say this that you know if you envy something tomorrow you're not going to hell. You got to understand this, all right? So so be relieved on that. But what he's saying is that people whose lives are made up of these things on a continual basis, and as their lifestyle, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he was very, very strong in what he was saying. The Holy Spirit was very, very uh, uh, focused on letting us know this. The fruit of the Spirit is different than the works of the flesh. Now, why, why did Paul say this? Why would the Holy Spirit tell us this? Why would we get into all of this? I, I think it's because he knows that every one of you in this room right now are, are set in a battle. We're all set in an inward battle. We all have this thing going on on the inside of us. We all know that to be true. We kind of might call it the inward battle or the battle of the mind. We call it all sorts of things, but really what it is is just our flesh fighting against our spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says, I say walk by the Spirit or live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I like what the Amplified says, it says walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit Responsive to and controlled and guided by the spirit that you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. That's what the flesh is. It's not just, you know, this. It's, it's, the, it's the person you are without the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's this, it's this thing. I used to say this, that the, the, the flesh is first cousin to the devil. Well, well, Jesus said that if you don't follow him, if you're not a believer in what he is and who he is, then your, your father is the devil. So, hey, don't get any quieter on me, would you? All right? Because it's obvious that this battle is going on. Because the Bible teaches us that the flesh has a powerful force in our life to lead us away from God and bring spiritual transformation to your life, which is what we want. Now, most people don't like change. Think about yourself right now. Do you like change? May some of you say, I love change. But most people don't like change, and most people don't like change in their own life. I was sitting this morning just kind of meditating, and I was thinking about, about the Lord, about how powerful He is, how awesome He is, how preeminent He is, how great he is, really how big he is, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere at the same time, operating everything at the same time. And I realized, you know what, Lord, you don't have to change one bit. God does not have to change, but God is in the business of changing you and I. He wants to change you. So if you're the type of person who doesn't like change, go ahead and embrace it because that's the whole business of the Holy Spirit is to change you into the image of Jesus Christ just to get you. I don't know if you know that or not. God's big deal is not just to get you in a church service once a week or even to have you read your Bible regularly or even to know a few Greek words. God is into changing you from what you were into who he is. I think that's great. Don't you want that? Get ready for it because, uh, you know, the Bible teaches us that the flesh profits nothing. So if you're relying upon your flesh, your intellect, your power of thought, you know, your, your good life, your, your, your good standing in the community, don't rely upon that because the flesh profits nothing. And then Paul also says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So, there's something above that. And then Paul also says that we are to put to death the deeds of the flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, we're working on this thing, trying to get this thing going. There's this flesh we know. I can't stand my flesh. My flesh doesn't love God. My flesh never wants to do what God wants me to do. My flesh is always lazy. It's a lazy bum. My flesh stinks. My flesh is not in line with God. My flesh is actually my enemy. But then there's the precious, wonderful Holy Spirit that Jesus sent to be my teacher. Come on. To be my protector, my guide, my friend, my comforter, to help me. Come on. And that's why we embrace the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is it's love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to hear about that uh, all summer long from different communicators here at Northwood about the different fruits. And today you're going to hear about the fruit of patience patience, and everybody said, all right, (laughs) patience, patience. (laughs) Can I define patience? Can I talk about it for just a minute? You know, let me first of all tell you what I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about how we have taken the fruit of the Holy Spirit, patience, and we have reduced it, to traffic and the guy that won't go when the light turns green in front of you because he's on his phone. I said it on the way over here. Get off the phone. Or the line at the convenience store with the lady in front of you who waits until the clerk says $6.48. Then she wheels around her shoulder toting abyss and opens the mouth of that horrible thing and begins to try to reach down to find that 32 cents in change at the bottom of her purse. And you've got to be somewhere because you're important. You're so important. We reduce patience to that when, in fact, patience is fruit of the Holy Spirit. It really comes from a Greek word, and we're not Greek scholars, any of us, Um, (laughs) but, you know, we try to make it, it's macrothenia. And what it means is forbearance or refraining, meaning stopping from doing something maybe stopping from enforcing something such as a debt or a right or obligation that is due you. You've got this power within you. Patience in the Bible is the quality of forbearance and self-control, which shows itself particularly in a willingness to wait upon God and his will. Patience is also the ability to endure difficult people and difficult situations without Anger taking hold of you. So patience is a very, very deep thing. And many of us need to work on that. Microthenia, it's a, it's a, a word that's it's like a compound word. It's made up of two different words, one meaning long and the other meaning passion. You can look at it this way. Actually, it's, it's sort of like flaring your nostrils, holding it in. <laughs> that kid does that one more time. If you say that one more time, you know how it is. Patience is a quality of the Holy Spirit that lives in every believer's life. You have patience if you have the Holy Spirit. You have those fruits, they're there, okay? So Jesus gives us a teaching on patience. Now, I'm going to read something, and really this. This is really about forgiveness because Jesus is talking to his disciples and, and, you know, Peter says, you know, as in the usual, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive somebody? Seven times? Thinking that he was doing a real good deal. And Jesus said, well, a little bit more, maybe 70 times seven. And then he tells this story I want to read out of Matthew 18, which is about, about forgiveness, but really is about patience also. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts Uh, With his servants, and when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, which is a lot of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have what? Patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, because he had patience with him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which was nothing. And seizing him, he, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went up and put him into prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and they reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summons him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Isn't it true that, that we who have received such mercy and God has had such patience with us? that we should also extend that to our fellow human beings to have patience with them and then to extend mercy to them. The mark of a mature believer is one who is able to endure something wrong against them without becoming so inflamed that they seek to have revenge against the one who's perpetrated patience. Patience is one of God's main characteristics. As a matter of fact, God is patient. You see, God is love. God is good. God is patient. He doesn't extend patience. He is patience. Are you getting this? That's who he is. That's why he's able to extend it so readily because he is patient. Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You see the fruit of the Spirit all through the New Testament. In here, here, he's talking about humility. He's talking about gentleness. He's talking about love, and he's talking about patience, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I want to share with you a personal story. Uh, I wrote it down, and I want to read it to you because I want to make sure that you get what I'm saying. I've not always walked patiently or perfectly in this area. I just haven't. You know, I've pastored for over 33 years, and in that, you deal with a lot of situations and a lot of people, and I've not always hit a home run in dealing with people. I've made mistakes. I've been very impatient at times with people, and uh, thank God the Lord has forgiven. I suppose he has. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a talk one day about that, huh? That's why I hope I live longer. <laughs> I don't know if you ever think about that standing before the Lord and giving an account of absolute every word you've ever spoken. Give account of every action you've ever taken. Not your sin. We're not talking about that. That, that was judged at Calvary. But do you know that old song, have a little talk with Jesus? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> but anyway, uh Somehow or another, uh, positioning yourself in an exchange—you uh, you know, this exclusive club of leadership—to where somehow or another you feel like you, you've got it all together, and other people need to get straight—it's a—it's a pitfall of leadership. So, about five years ago, I found myself in a very stressful and an almost impossible situation. I acted in a right way, but it produced a very, very negative situation that separated me from people of folks deeply. It was hurtful and harmful to everyone involved. And each time we tried to remedy the situation, it seemed to just get worse. Have you ever been there? Just trying to make it right. The only alternative was to go silent and wait patiently. There could be no revenge or one-upping on the other party. The pain of waiting was absolutely draining. The days turned to weeks. The weeks turned to months. And the, the months actually turned to years. I don't know if you've ever waited years. Years. Flickers of change would bring, you know, birth new, that would slowly erode, leaving me back to square one. As time went on, still trying to understand who was responsible for what, I at times would lose perspective and want to lash out, demanding my rights because I was right in my own eyes. There comes a time, folks, where who is right doesn't matter. It wasn't until time had passed that I realized that waiting patiently was the only absolute way of ever finding closure and ultimately reconciliation. It had to be the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of all involved if we were ever to find peace. I believe to this day that everyone who yields to the will of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit will find that peace and reconciliation. The fruit of patience saved my life and restored my joy and has brought reconciliation. You see, bearing up under pressure proves your faith in God. There's gonna be times in your life You need to wait on it because it's coming if it hasn't already or it may be right now. That all you have is to hide yourself in God and wait with excruciating pain in your heart. Trusting that somehow God in his mercy, and his wisdom, as he's forming Christ in you, that change will come even if change never comes in your timing. I'm a fixer, how about you? When a problem arises, everything stops, we go in fixer mode, we got to fix this thing now. Until you come up against something that is the testing of your faith, works patience. So I don't like testing. How about you? I didn't like test in school, and I don't like tests now. Don't give me a test. Sometime the Pastor Jordan wants not take a test. We're going to take this test. You, we're going to take what, who you look like, what you act like, who you are, where you are. Let's check it out. Let's dig deeper. Let's, I'm like, a test. Haven't I had enough? And with the Lord, hasn't there been enough tests? But when the test comes, we need to do what the psalmist did in chapter 40 of the, of the Psalms, because this is what he said. I love this chapter. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. I don't know how long he waited. He waited for the Lord. He wasn't waiting for anybody else. He's waiting for the Lord. Evidently, is in some kind of mess, and he's waiting patiently on the Lord, He inclined to me, meaning he he bent down like, what's up, bro? (laughs) He inclined to me, and he heard me. I don't know how long it took the Lord to incline upon this man. But finally, the Lord heard him. He drew me up out of the pit of destruction. He drew me up. He took me out. You can't walk out of a pit. You can walk out of a valley, but you ain't walking out of a pit. One day, when we were kids, me and my older brothers and cousins, we dug a pit. We dug a hole in the ground about four feet by four feet, about seven feet deep, and they put me in the pit. We're in the pit, <laughs> and we had a knife in the pit, and they said, "You've got to, you've got to carve out a ladder in the in the in the dirt so you can get out." Out of the Maori Bog, and he set my feet. Upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. What is this teaching us? What is the Bible teaching us? The Bible is teaching us that if we'll wait on the Lord patiently, not aggravationally, if that's a word, not full of rage, not hoping for revenge on on whatever the situation is, not trying to get the one up, not trying to win, but waiting patiently on the Lord, not waiting patiently for people to do this or do that, but waiting patiently on the Lord, eventually he will hear you. And eventually he will lift you up out of the miry clay. Just study the life of Joseph and you will understand what Psalm 40 is saying. Will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. They will run and not be weary. And they will walk and will not faint. We used to sing that portion of scripture all the time. Some of you old timers remember. They that wait upon the Lord. You know the song. I'm tired of waiting on people. I'm waiting on the Lord. I don't always understand everything when I'm waiting on the Lord. In the last year, we've buried my pastor. We've buried his wife. We've buried three active pastors who passed away instantly, one on an airplane to Japan. Why would that happen, Lord? They that wait upon the Lord. Shall renew their strength. I don't know if you've ever buried your pastor. Micah, you haven't. Here I am. (laughs) At my funeral, say something nice about me. (laughs) Everyone deserves that. Everyone. You may have this question. If not, I'm going to give you a question and then you'll have a question. How do I see the fruit of the patience manifested in my life? How are you going to have this this fruit in your life? I think number one is that it's very, very simple. You you know, you must be born again. You've got to be a born-again believer who has the Holy Spirit operating in your life. The Holy Spirit operating, guiding you and leading you and correcting you and encouraging you the mighty Holy Spirit, who is God on the inside, born again. And and only those who have been born again of God's Spirit have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. So it's hard to bear the fruit of patience. God is patient without having God on the inside. So you must be born again. It's very, very simple. It's the only way. Number two, You must be serious about developing a living relationship with the Holy Spirit. I mean, serious, folks. I'm not, you you know, hey, you know, hey, look, we're all people. Come on now, you know. We're serious on Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10.45 if we stretch it. And we're serious like, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But then somehow we step out of this area and we step. It, it's being serious about developing. You have to develop. It takes work to develop a relationship with God. It's not automatic. And I thought that after serving the Lord for 43 years, it would be s- that simple to just, got it made on the backside of the hill, sliding on into home plate. Hallelujah for the kingdom. And I found out that it takes the same amount of diligent seeking now, maybe even sometimes more than it did when we were so excited when things were new. I think relating and submitting to the Holy Spirit is not magic. I don't think it just happens. I think it takes some serious time. Number three, I think you must be disciplined to see the Holy Spirit working In situations of your life. Don't just throw up your hands when something happens. Wait on the Lord. Go ahead and just discipline yourself and ask the question of the Lord. What are you? Where are you in this, Lord? I don't know about you, but if somebody, you know, hacks me off, which as a pastor for 37 years, I've been like hacked to death so many times. (laughs) I want to look at the person and say, if only you were right with God, you wouldn't do this. But instead, I've learned to say, Lord, what are you doing here? Evidently, you are sculpting me, (laughs) and this is all part of your plan for my life. I don't always bet a 1,000 with that, but it takes discipline. You see, self, self has got to take a second place. Self must get off of the throne of our life and take a place of submission to the Spirit of God if we're ever going to see the fruit of the Spirit alive and operating properly in our life. So get ready. You must decrease. I hate to tell you that. So that he might increase. I know you don't want to hear that. I know we want to increase. Me, I want to be. No, no, no. I must decrease. You see, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not me that lives. But it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's, that's what this thing is. I've been crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago. I'm already dead. But the scripture teaches me that I must reckon myself dead and always work. You've got to live by faith, knowing that God is always working to do his will in your life. Oh, Lord. All good things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I can't always see that that thing, as negative as it is, is working for my good. I mean, how is that possible, Lord? Well, it's possible because God's ways are far above my ways. His thoughts are far above my thoughts. How he works is not always the way that I would work. But who is Lord? Who is the king of our life? Who really is in charge of me? Who owns me? Who bought me with the precious blood of Jesus? Who did that? He did that. He owns me. He bought me many, many years ago. So when I, when I, when I say these things and when we talk like this, what's in your mind? What's going on in your mind? Is it about a person who's wronged you? Is it about a situation that you failed in? Is it about where you lack this wonderful, wonderful gift, fruit of patience? What situation you find yourself in right now? Did I just have a lady's voice there? (laughs) Y'all give our brother a hand. He he just he tried to choke it down, but it just it just would not submit. Have patience, brother. Look up on the screen because the Bible teaches us that it is always worth it to be patient. It may not be easy. But in the end, it will all be worth it. So never lose hope. And keep on waiting for God's perfect time. And patience does not happen overnight. Patience is a constant and everyday decision. It is a decision to rest on him and his ways. I wonder if you might bow your head for just a minute and kind of get quiet before the Lord. You see, because patience is the Holy Spirit's gift to you. It's so that you may be able to bear with everything and everyone that comes into your life. God's will for your life is victory. And sometimes it just takes an enormous amount of the fruit of the Spirit, patience. Some of you have been through situations where you could say, Pastor, you know what? I I understand what you said, and and it does work. And God will get the victory there. Some of you, you're right now, you're, you're in a situation like sort of maybe what I was just talking about in my personal life. And you're wondering, will it ever end? Is there ever an end to the calamity here? And then others of you, you say, well, you know, things have been real good. God is good to me because my life is good. And you haven't yet seen that on the horizon, there's a trial coming to test your faith and to cause you to be more patient. Wherever you find yourself, the first and foremost thing that needs to take place is that you know Jesus Christ. This is serious. Jesus is the only way to heaven. The resurrection is the only way through Jesus Christ. There's no other way except through Him. And so you're sitting in your chair right now, and if you are not completely secure in your relationship with God, and you sit there and you say, you know what, I don't think I'm right. I just don't feel this thing in me. I've never committed. I want to pray with you right now. A simple prayer that was prayed with me 43 years ago that stuck because God was in it. You don't have to be fancy in your words. God already sees your heart. He created you. He's seen every heart and God says, if you, so just say a simple prayer like this, but meet it with all of your heart. And God says, if you believe with all your heart and if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Say this, say, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm separated from you. I'm lost, I'm a sinner. But right now, I commit my life to Jesus. Go ahead just say it right there, right away. I commit my life to Jesus, and I will serve you, Father, with all of my heart. Forgive me of everything I've ever done and who I've been. And i receive you now as my Lord and as my Savior in Jesus' name. And now for the church here, you're sitting here, and for each one of you right now that say, you know what, I've reduced it to just the little calamities of everyday life, to small little inconveniences. But I wanted bearing out in my life to show the character of Christ. Father, I'm praying with the church right now. And Lord, I'm asking you, we are believing together, God, to have the fruit of patience manifested in our life in a powerful, powerful way. That God will show people who you are. And that God will teach us your character. God, you made us in your image after your likeness. And sin tore that up. But Jesus came and paid the price. We've received Christ. And now, Lord God, we receive the fruit of patience in its fullness right now. And we thank you for it, Lord. In the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. And all the church said amen. And amen.